You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of 3AM. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. My name is Sean. Today was a good episode. Uh, We had a lot of fun telling our stories. We went all over the map with this one. Uh, I talked a lot about people experiencing loss in their life and possibly receiving answers from beyond the grave. (laughs) Also, we went to Missouri with one of mine for some small town justice, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, took us up north to Alaska where somebody had a creepy, mysterious experience with the northern lights and then uh, took us back down to the lower 48 as they call it in Alaska, to possible origins of another urban legend. Ooh, a close call. (laughs) A very close call. I had a few stories, starting off with camping in an old Civil War battlefield. So all of that you'll be hearing up next in this episode of 3AM. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. How was your guys' week? How was your guys' fourth? Everyone have all ten fingers still? Present. (laughs) Uh, Fourth was good. Barbecue. Tight. As you should. Games. Cornhole. Ooh, a little cornhole for your fourth. Uh, and uh, Sean, what'd you do this weekend? I uh went for a little road trip, went up to the Uintas, did some hiking and camping, and then headed on over to Flaming Gorge area, and then drove back down through the Uintas. And on my way home on the fourth, I went to Skinwalker Ranch. Did you, bro? It's all locked it's up. Closed. But yeah. <laughs> you attempted. I attempted. Quick drive by. Quick drive by. Anything? Sadly to say, there was nothing going on in Good. the middle of the day. <laughs> Good for you though. Bad for us. That's cool. Did you take any photos while you were there? No, it was desert. Oh, so you're like that. There was a sign that rocks. said private property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not even a sign that said Skinwalker Ranch. I, have, I didn't see it, no. They I, want to be kind of as low-key as possible, yeah. so. Yeah, I figure. It's not a neon sign out there. Um, Skinny boys here. <laughs> on the 4th, uh, later at night when we are done with barbecuing, I went with my girlfriend and my cousin and his wife to do a little bonfire up in the in the mountains. Or more Hobble Creek area. Oh. And it was fun. It was chill. But the whole night, they were all kind of sketched out. Hearing people walking, who was around us? My cousin, Mallory, all of them. But I wasn't catching anything until we were there. So obviously, they were wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying how it was from my perspective. So uh, 
about two hours into us being there, a truck drives super slowly right by us. And it goes into the woods, disappears, and we can see it starts getting brighter and it comes back towards us super slowly. And then it parks. It turns in facing us with their headlights on us. Did they at least turn them off and be respectful? They turned it off Hmm. and just sat there. Ew. Gross. Yeah. And at that point, we decided we should probably dip. But, ugh. What kind of predator behavior, dude? It reminds me of that one story Sean shared where they went up the canyon and the car turns off and they're like, what the mm-hmm. heck? And all of a sudden, ting! Oh, yeah, ricochets by him. Yeah. Ugh. And that's like a, a shooting, like shooting grounds too. Like I've gone shooting there before. Ugh. Uh, trucks hit different when you're in the country. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Because <laughs> when you're in the countryside, everyone's packing heat. DJ being a brown person, it's, you know what I mean? It's like fish out of water in a way. Like, I'm like that too. It's still sketch though. Like, when I was out in the middle of the mountains last weekend, there was a couple times I came up, like, across just a random truck just out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm always like, hmm, that seems like it's not. You're a little more cautious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, those those spidey senses come on. I respect your distance. Uh, my fourth, I went down to St. George. I How hot was it? Dude, 105. Like, yeah. Gross. Oh. But we had a pool. Yeah. So I was literally in the pool all day long. And if I wasn't in the pool, I was playing pickleball and volleyball. So it was like, hmm. it was fun. Nice. I got burnt. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> they like, f- my wife brought me food while I was floating in the pool and I was just eating chicken. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> it was the best. So my fourth was awesome. <laughs> the life. It's awesome. We hope everyone out there had a good fourth. If you a if you a if you're not in the US, hope you had a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But uh celebrating our independence. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh I was just hanging out with a friend who was in town for just a minute and she had heard the last episode of the podcast. She's like, "Okay, I heard your hair story, your ass hair story." <laughs> Where it tried to take off my wiener. Yeah. And she said, that's like a super real um, threat to babies. What? Apparently, it happens enough where it gets wrapped around babies like fingers and toes. They fall off. And so, in like mother books and stuff, it's like if your kid is well fed, if it's slept a ton, and it's still just crying, check all its toes and fingers and wiener and make sure there's not a hair wrapped around it. Kalima has a newborn baby. Oh, shout out Kalima, who's in the yeah. studio tonight. Is that something you, you guys have yeah. heard? Yeah, she's crying. Taking See, dude? Dang. Damn. So my wiener's like a baby finger. <laughs> <laughs> Think he's out? You just got to check it, you know? <laughs> it's one, one way to look at that. Yeah. That's what I gathered. But seriously, as she was telling me that, another friend texted me at the same time. I was like, do you know that's a super real thing? It was another mom who's a friend of ours. I was like, dang, I had no idea. I thought it was like. I mean, you did. <laughs> yeah. I had an intimate idea. <laughs> Very real idea. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. So, you know, we're just public service announcement. Check your baby's fingers and toes and wieners. <laughs> Fire. 
Should we just get right into it? I say we skip question of the day and get to the GD stories. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Roll. This is where we roll our 20-sided die. Highest number tells our story first. Uh, Seven is what I saw. Was it seven? Seven is what she saw. (laughs) Seven. Nine. Oh, so you guys free roll, doodle boy. Okay. <laughs> my phone. It's just like a twenty pound metal thing. Fourteen. Fourteen. Eighteen. Fifty five. Eighteen. I know. I'm psychic. It's gonna be Charles, Sean, and then me. So, I have a couple stories tonight um, that deal with people who've died. And weird characters surrounding that person before their death. Now, last week, Sean, he suggested a movie to watch that was on Netflix called Headcount. And I had watched the first 30 minutes. And it was really intriguing because it deals with things that we like. A group of friends telling scary stories out in the desert. Mm -hmm. A lot of them don't really know each other. And they, spoiler alert, they conjure an entity that basically shapeshifts and is a mimic and gets in among them, right? It was pretty good. Until the end. <laughs> Until the end. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you that when we yeah. started watching it. It was fun. It was a fun watch. So if you have any downtime, you're bored, go watch it. <laughs> um, but that idea of there being someone you don't know that you kind of know on the peripheral, right? And how they seem to be close to the bad things going on. All right, so this comes to us from Seth, the man, (laughs) story god. And he told me a couple stories I thought were super interesting. And 
a lot of us have experienced loss in our life. We've lost loved ones. Some taken when they're old, some taken way before that, way before their time. And everyone deals with that differently. Um, and when you do that, I think a lot of the times you look for an answer or a reason. Like, why did this happen? Right. And that theme kind of plays in with a couple of stories. So when Seth was in high school, him and his sister, they're a year apart. And they both knew this kid who had a reputation of being a pretty big drug addict. And I think he came from a well, well-to-do family, um, but he just got super into drugs. And he wasn't close friends with Seth's group of friends, but he knew a lot of them. And eventually he stops doing drugs completely. And he'd been sober for about a year. And Seth gets texted one night. And it's a text from this girl who he hangs out with. And she's like, hey, um, we're all hanging out tonight at, let's call him Jason's house. Like Jason has a house. A lot of people are coming over. Do you guys want to come over? And I think Seth said yes. And he went over there. And he said they were just like watching movies, hanging out, super normal, low-key stuff. And Jason's boss was out of town. So Jason was home or house sitting this house. So it was a really big house and they're all hanging out. They're watching movies and this kid shows up who they all kind of know, but they don't really know. And he had been friends with Jason from like his former life. Right. And he just kind of hangs up. He's like in the background, doesn't talk much at all. And slowly everyone goes home. And that's it. Until the next morning, Seth gets a text and it's a girl. And she's like, dude, Jason's dead. And what apparently happened, and it became like this huge investigation, they found Jason overdosed in that house. And cops come, they call all of Seth's friends, they like question him about everything. Who was there? When were they there? Who was there last? There's this huge investigation. And they find that things in the house were taken, and someone had had sex in the master bed. And at some point that night, he had done enough drugs to overdose. But he had been sober for a whole year. And so it was kind of like this big thing. Now, Seth relayed this story to his dad, who, if you remember, is a huge time um, criminal prosecutor in Las Vegas. He's been on the History Channel. He's done really high profile cases. And he was like, wait, wait, what happened? And Seth explained. And he goes, oh, that has foul play written all over it. And he's like, I bet that kid either dosed him or convinced him to take drugs so that he could have sex or steal things in the house and killed him. And that was just like his off the cuff assessment of being in it for like 40 plus years. You know what I mean? And they never got closure. Seth and his friends never really found out. Did his friends hear what nope. Seth's dad had to say? Oh, I don't, I don't think he ever shared that with like retroactively with them, but that's like a crazy little just, just a piece of information you can't really do much with it but what's the episode shadow government okay that we did uh-huh with with jfk uh-huh and just kind of having like an inside scoop on something but there's nothing it's not really definitive yeah there's nothing much that you can do but it's you can't shake like the idea of it either hmm. and yeah. everyone's mind immediately turns to this kid who they all kind of knew but didn't really know they never heard. They never heard if he was like prosecuted. They never heard if he was implicated. Anything like that. 
And the reason Seth thought of this experience and relate it is because he was at class at school, dental school. And one of his classmates says, Hey, I have a story for your podcast (laughs) and tells him this next story. So this is his classmate in dental school. This happened to his best friend growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, This is Seth's best friend and let's give him a name. No, sorry. This is Seth's classmate's best friend and let's give him a name. What should we call him? Dan. Okay. Dan. Dan's a good kid. So does Dan suit good kid? Yeah, sure. So Dan is super young and his dad is a widower. Like his wife had passed away. And he starts this relationship with this new lady and they eventually get married. And this new woman has a son. Now, the son's a little older. He's like 16, 17 in high school. And Seth said that Dan said he was awesome. Super good kid. Super kind. Super polite. He was adored by basically everyone. And his mom never had any issues with him because he was just so well behaved. He never got into trouble, things like that. And he meshed really well with the, with the new family. So he's in high school. It's his last year. It's about six months before he graduates from high school. The mom starts noticing small changes in behavior. Nothing major, nothing super alarm. She said he was acting more aloof. He was way more private. He, he kind of tended to stay to his room more. And it was nothing alarming. So she didn't do anything drastic. She just thought, you know, he's a teenager. He's going through his thing. Around the same time, she's noticing these behavioral um, changes in her son. She notices his friend group changes. And he starts hanging out with this one kid. And she never found out anything about this kid other than his name one time. So if we have to name Sketchy Kid, what is Sketchy Kid's name? Brock. Okay. Ew, Brock. (laughs) Okay. So all her interactions with him is like super quick, basically just passing, saying bye. And she gets the feeling from Brock that he's just, something's up. Something's always up with them. And she just wasn't sure. So she's a little worried about her son hanging out with this Brock kid, having mood changes and all that. She said one time she came home and she was going upstairs. It's like after work. And she thought no one was home. Her stairs are carpeted. So she's quietly ascending the stairs. And as she comes up over the landing, she can see down the hall to to Dan's room. We're going to call it the son Dan. Like the 17-year-old one. Right. So she can see down the hall to Dan's room. And she sees Brock coming out of his room backwards very slowly. And he's holding the doorknob and he's pulling it super slowly. Then it closes and he turns it even slower. And he like backs up from the door. Doesn't notice the mom's there at all. Takes like three or four steps around and turns around to, to leave. And sees his mom and is like, oh. And she can tell he's like caught off guard. And he just goes, oh, hey. And runs by her and leaves. Hmm. She thought that was weird. She didn't even know if Dan was home at the time. She's like, what the heck? Takes note of it. A couple days later, graduation. Dan's made graduation. It's a happy, happy, momentous occasion. He goes out, stays out late with his friends, and 
she hears him faintly come home sometime really early in the morning. Next morning, it's a Saturday. She wakes up. She's doing her thing. She's going to let Dan sleep in for a while. When she realizes it's past 12, it's almost 1 p.m., and he still hasn't come out of his room. So she goes upstairs, goes to his room, and opens the door. And what she finds is every parent's worst nightmare. Dan's dead on his bed. And he had died of a drug overdose. She had no idea he did drugs at all. They had like a very open, close relationship. She had no idea. Needless to say, this broke her. This was like shattering. And if you know, I I, I don't know. This topic is so heavy. I know personally people who've lost children, like uh, uh, teen teenage children. And it's like shattering. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It changes lives permanently forever. (laughs) So she goes through this nightmare. They, you know, take his body. They do their investigation. They leave. It's within like a week of this event. She has PTSD. She can barely sleep. She can barely keep it together. She's constantly crying. You know, all the things you would expect, right? And she's lying in her bed and she can't sleep. You know, the scene of her walking into his room plays over and over in his head, in her head. And she decides, all right, I'm not even going to pretend to try and sleep. I'm just going to go watch TV downstairs. Gets up out of her bed, pitch black, opens her door to her room. And all the way down the hall, directly in front of her door, is Dan's room. Opens it. She steps out in the dark hall and freezes dead. Because his door is wide open. And there's someone standing in the middle of his room. Slowly swaying. And she... (gasps) Frozen in fear. And then her eyes adjust to the light. And as she's staring at the person swaying in the room, she realizes it's a balloon. (sighs) Her heart's racing. She walks down the hall before she gets to Dan's room. Creeped out, she sees it's a graduation balloon. And she turns, goes down the stairs. As she's downstairs, she sits down on the couch, turns the TV on. How the layout is, is like there's a living room. There's a couch. And behind the couch is the kitchen. And then the dining room and then the stairs to upstairs. She's down there for about 30 minutes. Just watching random things, late night TV, infomercials, whatever. Click something else. It's a MASH replay. Click. It's the Cosby show. Click. You know. When all of a sudden, she feels like it gets quiet in the room. And she gets a feeling like she's not alone. So she looks behind her. Nothing. Looks over at the door to the backyard. Big glass door. And their dog is sitting there, which is weird because he's should be in his kennel. But he's sitting there and he's staring in the window super intently right behind her into the kitchen. She thinks that's weird. She goes back to watching TV, click, change the channel, screen goes black. A show comes on, click, changes the channel, screen goes black. Another show comes on, click. Screen goes black. She can see the reflection of her in the kitchen. 
and there's someone standing behind her in the reflection of the TV. So she freaks out, jumps up, turns around, and just, it looks as it has just been pushed into the room, the balloon floats into the kitchen from the dark dining room. At this point, she screams. She said, like, as she saw it, it literally looked like someone had just, like, pushed it into the room because she turns around and she sees it just go like this into the room. She freaks out, goes around it, goes upstairs. <laughs> as she's coming upstairs, she looks at Dan's room and the door that she had left open is closed. At that point, terror. She's like lost her mind, runs to her husband, shakes him awake, super disoriented. The balloon, I saw it. I saw it upstairs. I thought there was someone. I thought there was someone in the house. The dog is, you know, and he's like, what, 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 what? Takes him a minute to like catch up until she's like, there's someone in the house or something is going on. I need you to check the house. I need you to go downstairs and pop that balloon. Like, I can't deal with this. So he says, okay, grabs a pistol from the nightstand, locks the door. She can hear him moving around the house. He opens Dan's room. She can hear, he can hear him in there, goes downstairs. He goes downstairs and he sees the balloon in the middle of the kitchen. And he walks up, grabs a kitchen knife, grabs the balloon and pops it. And the second he pops it, he drops dead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He just pops it. <laughs> Checks the house. All the doors are locked. No one's in the house. So the coming week, she's in a weird state. Doesn't know what happened. Doesn't know what the balloon was about. Has no idea. She realizes, though, that her attention is continually getting drawn to the room. Dan's room. Now, this could be grief. Obviously, it's on her mind. She's going through a lot, PTSD, but she still is. So, at first, she's like explaining away all these occurrences, but then she's like, something is happening. So, at first, it was little things. She'd be walking up the stairs and she would see a shadow under the door as if someone had walked by the door. And she'd like, look at it. Nothing wrong. One time, she'd be upstairs, go downstairs. Dan's door is open, come upstairs with like, I don't know, a glass of milk or whatever from the kitchen and Dan's door is closed. And she said this happened constantly and vice versa where the door would be closed and then it would open. After witnessing something so traumatizing, I bet you just that alone is triggering a lot of things that might not be real. Mm. But if there is an element of this story that is real and we don't know yet, yeah, it just everything's heightened right now, mm -hmm. and it's growing, it's building. Mm -hmm. Every time she sees the door open, she's questioning reality. She's questioning what's going on. You know, something's up. She, with the doors opening and closing, she basically sits the entire family down. She's like, "I'm not going to be mad. I just need to know the truth. Are any of you going in and out of Dan's room?" And all of them are like, "No, like no, none of us are going in there." And the husband's like, no. So she has him, the husband, go in and lock the door from like the inside. Either install, maybe Dan had a lock or something, but he locked the door from the inside and they close it. She like doesn't want any more. Until she's one day coming home from the supermarket down the street and she's driving and Dan's room faced the street. 
And as she's driving, her attention is drawn up to his window. And he usually has really dark drapes to like block out all light. But when she looked up the window, what she saw was a wall of condensation on the window. And this is a 70 degree day, very nice weather. And she said it looked like fog, like white fog and like droplets of water on the inside of his window. Parks the car, goes upstairs and just looks like under his door and like lights are off. It makes no sense. It's dark in his room, but she can't bring herself to open it. At this point, she's almost at her wit's end. She feels like she's mentally, emotionally, spiritually going to break. She goes to her husband and says, I know this doesn't make sense, but this is what's going on. Tells him everything. And luckily, she married a good dude because he was like, okay, like I hear you. And even though the occurrences and everything like slowed down, they moved within six to nine months of her son passing. They got out of there. Dang. And Seth said the way he heard it and the feelings he got is he feels like there was something in that room that she like needed to see. And maybe it was Dan trying to draw her to the room. Maybe there's a clue in there, right? Something. And the last thing with that story is be- right before they moved or even after they moved, a group of Dan's friends, like old friends, decided to visit her see if she was doing okay so they came to the house he probably talked for hours into the late night i'm sure tears were had and at some point the subject of his room came up and she said something that brought up the balloon and just said yeah like he had a graduation balloon in his room the night he died and they said oh yeah and and she was like yeah and they were like oh yeah that was brock's balloon and she's like huh She's like, yeah, that was Brock's balloon. I guess Dan ended up with it. I don't know. She's like, what do you mean? The night of graduation, they were all at a party. Dan was there. They were all having fun. And Brock shows up. And he had stolen balloons from the school. And he was hanging outside being really weird, not talking to anyone. And so Dan went out there. And this girl saw Dan and Brock talking for a really long time. And the whole time, Brock was just like clenching onto this balloon. And he couldn't tell what they were talking about. Couldn't tell if it was like angry or it was just a weird tense. And finally he comes back in balloonless and Brock left. But somehow Brock's balloon ended up in his room where he overdosed and then chased the mom downstairs 30 minutes later in a house door closed. Closed closed the door too. And that's the story of Dan and Dan's mother. Well, now they're never going to find out either since they moved away. Reminds me of Fingerprints. What was that? Episode three? Mm-hmm. Fingerprints? What happened? <laughs> well, I mean, the whole concept of like they moved and nothing else happened. Like it left its mark in that room. Hmm. And we don't have, we don't know the history of what exactly happened. And now for me, it's like, it's, it's so frustrating because it feels like the answer is right there. Mm-hmm. and it's with a, that key player, you know, the Brock or that random friend of Seth's other experience. Mm-hmm. Or mom, like, searching the room. Yeah, maybe there was something in there. Maybe he had something in his journal. Maybe he had <laughs> stowed away something, you know, that would, like, shed more yeah, light yeah. on what's going on. But I don't know. Uh, when Seth told me that story and the screen goes black, we all know that feeling. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And if you're sitting there and the screen goes black and you see someone standing behind you, your entire body is electrified. And then to turn around and see the GD balloon. <laughs> oh my gosh. Big psych. It reminded me of it. I know. Ugh. Like Pennywise is in your damn house. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, terrifying. Either way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. <sighs> Was it a helium balloon though? Because you know there's only one thing you can do with those. You got to, you know, pop it and <laughs> suck it out. And... The dad comes back in. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> divorce no sorry oh damn so dark yeah my bad not funny um should i tell one more or keep it at that up to you okay do you guys want a funny one or an interesting one let the dice decide okay if it's odds it's interesting evens it's funny roll to one okay so we're getting odd so this also comes from seth and he said he was just running over to his parents' house to grab something. Walks in, and lo and behold, what is on the TV? 2020. Oh, uh, so <laughs> the uh, Unsolved Mysteries. So he kind of sits down. He's, like, chatting with his mom. And honestly, Kathy, Seth's mom, is where I get my love for, like, 2020, Dateline, all that stuff. And she says, Seth, this story is so interesting. You should, you should like, watch it or look it up or something. So I'm just going to break down this story real quick, and it's a quick one. This happened in the 90s in Missouri. Missouri. So this is a small podunk town in Missouri where population is like 300 or below. Maybe like 200. I think I might be overestimating. Tiny town. And in this town, there's this dude who is the town ass. (laughs) Named, what should we call him? Ben. (laughs) (laughs) So Ben is just like, he's... The town bully. He grew up, he was just a terror in high school. Um, He was married to two women at one time and hid it for a long time. He constantly was trying to like molest underage girls. Like if they were walking home, he would like follow them, talk to them, try to like pin them up and stuff. Like he's a bad dude. Oh my gosh. He, if people would walk past his lawn, he would shoot his gun at them. And he shot multiple people, injured them, didn't kill them. How has he not accidentally died yet? So he was in and out of jail constantly. And what was weird is he would go into jail and immediately post bail. Constantly. No one knew how he was doing it. He was friends with the warden. He was friends with a guard. Something was going on. And they had no idea. It got so bad. This dude is like such a burden on the town that the entire town organizes a secret meeting. Oh, this is very hot fuzz, dude. They lock the door and they say, we have to do something about Ben. And so they form a plan. (laughs) Ben gets out of jail, goes home, does his normal routine, goes into town, starts walking down the main street of town when he's swarmed by like three or four guys and shot point blank on Main Street. In this town in Missouri. <laughs> that is hot fuzz. <laughs> Damn. <The> crusty juggler. <laughs> a couple months go by. Ben's relatives from out of town realize they haven't had heard anything from him. So they go in to investigate and they find out he's dead. They call big time police. They bring in investigators. And to, this happened in the 90s. To this day, they've questioned everyone in the town 
and everyone has the same story. I have no idea. I don't know what happened to Ben. <laughs> Did you see what happened? Nope. You hear anything? Nope. No idea. So basically, they made this pack, and they have not broken it to this day. Dang, dude. Is that the story? That's the story. Small dude, town justice. What do you think of uh, like vigilantes? I'm all for it. Yeah? I'm for it and against it. In a perfect world, super for it. Bruce Wayne, bring it on. <laughs> if you have some like dumbass, if you have someone who's just crazy, you know, and is like taking the law into their own hand, like bad things can happen. So yeah, in true. this case, I'm all for it. Missouri, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> Bro, moral of the story is don't be a dick. Yeah, dude. Don't be a Ben. <laughs> <laughs> we should have named him Richard. <laughs> a dick. <laughs> anyway, that's me tonight. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Seth, for always helping us procure the finest stories. True. <laughs> I have a couple stories for us tonight as well. I, uh, like I, we talked about earlier, went out adventuring over the weekend, did a lot of driving out in the mountains by myself. I even, I posted a little bit on my Wayfaring Man, like one of the places I found, which was dope, is like this river that went through this valley. So I found it by randomly taking this road and then it turns into a fork and one of those is a dirt road. I was like, you know what? F around, take this dirt road and took it for a while. And dude, my Ford Focus was just mobbing over this dirt road. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like I got to the point on this road though where I'm like, I'm so far up this road, it's either going to end or or it's going to connect to another paved road at some point because that's how long you were on it yeah and eventually actually curved back around and hit the main road i was like this is fucking nuts bro (laughs) i was super surprised but going back to my story tonight um have you ever you know just taken a drive out in the mountains by yourself or with anyone just i don't know look at the stars or all the time all the time there was a large period in my life where that's literally all all I did was just explore roads, abandoned buildings, yeah, anything. Because I didn't do drugs, so I had to do something else. <laughs> that was your drug, dude. Yeah, that was my drug. <laughs> so for all of our friends out there listening right now, if you're doing anything like that, this story could, you know, come a little close, could hit a little different. <laughs> so this kid, Tyler, living up in Alaska, and he says that he was above the Arctic Circle. So I don't know if what town you're in, but it's like Nome, maybe something like that. He and his family live in this tiny little town up in Alaska, and it's winter months, so mostly nighttime. And one of his favorite things to do is just get on his snowmobile and just go out into the mountains. Because, uh, you know, the northern lights are kind of a normal occurrence out there. And it just becomes less impressive if you're in the town just looking at it there. With light pollution? With the light pollution mm. from the tiny little town he's in. But still, it's got to make a difference for him to want to, you know, hop on his snowmobile and head out into the woods, right? So he gets on his snowmobile and he gets to a point where he can't see any more lights from anything. And he just kind of parks up on this little hill out in the mountains and you know, kind of lays back on the snowmobile and looks up at the stars and the northern lights. And he says it's kind of just normal 
from him, and he, it sounds like he's done this before, uh, normal occurrence for him out there. He can see all of the stars. He can see some of the northern lights. There's the uh, lazy satellite going across the sky, stuff like that. And he's laying there, and he starts to hear this noise, just a click, click, click. And he kind of like perks up a little bit and starts looking around him. Like his first thought out there in the woods is an animal. Mm-hmm. Like the the clicking doesn't necessarily match any animal, but that's his first thought because that's probably what it what it would be, right? Now, as he continues to listen to this clicking sound, he, he realizes that it's more mechanic than any type of natural clicking sound. And, and he realizes it's not an animal. As he kind of realizes that it's a mechanic clicking sound, he looks back up at the sky. And within the northern lights, this, this array of blues and purples, he sees three lights that just seem to be brighter than all of the rest within this northern light. And all of a sudden, these three lights that seem to be so much brighter than everything else appear to start getting closer to him. And so does this mechanical clicking sound, this click, 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 to almost to the point where he feels like he's just looking straight up now at these three lights and they're just above him. And he sits there just like, where is he going to go? He's out in the middle of nowhere on a snowmobile. He's not going to be able to get away very fast. He sits there for a couple minutes and then the lights go away. Like, do they just blink out of existence or what? Yeah, they just, well, he, he says, he describes it as they fade away. Huh. So obviously kind of freaked out. He's like, I probably should head home now. He uh, goes to turn on his snowmobile and it kind of, and on the third try, and he can take off now. But he's kind of always like really cold now as well. Like colder than normal, just like bone chilled. He makes it all the way back to town though. And he makes it to his house and he can see the lights still on. He's like, okay, that makes sense. Both of his parents are teachers at the local school. They're probably up a little bit later uh, grading papers or whatever it is. So he parks his snowmobile, decides he's going to go in and try and make it to bed without bothering anyone or waking anyone up if they have gone to sleep. And then he lays down in his bed and he looks at the clock and all of a sudden everything just makes sense. The clock says 6 a.m. He uh, starts to realize that he went out there at about 11 p.m. And for the split seconds or minute he was looking at those those lights in the sky seven hours had passed and like the bone chilling cold that he had experienced and the, the fact that the snowmobile took so long to kind of turn back on, he just starts freaking out. He's like, what was it that I was, I was just looking at those lights for seven hours. All that time had passed and it was just him getting colder and his, and to him it seemed like a minute, two minutes. Yeah. And he says he never goes on those rides by himself anymore. He'll either have someone with him or he won't go. Mm. He's not trying to experience that anymore. But as I was reading this story, I was like, bro, this is, this is wild. Cause first 
like very personal. I like to go out into the woods all the time. And second, aliens. <laughs> aliens. We haven't ever talked about, I don't feel like we've ever talked about aliens except it, for our experience. Mm. Real quick, the subject of time loss is super terrifying to me. True. Because there's some things, if you're dealing with a human, you you understand the rules, you understand what's at risk, and you know how to play that game. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with ghosts, there's some sort of, you you kind of, you can understand the subject, right? Mm-hmm. But aliens, all bets are off. <laughs> who, who effing knows? Like, what they're allowed to do, Pyramids. what they can do. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we don't know. So the second you're dealing with aliens, it's like, I don't know, I don't know how to play that game. I don't know what's possible. I don't know what's real, what's right. not. And well, you're like way out of control. There's no control. You can't do anything to to combat time loss. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's like, I think time loss and like glitches terrify me more than most stories because of how it, it's just a, a break in like logic and rhetoric. It, there is none. A total know? lack of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was super freaked out. I was like, Ugh. But in, what if it wasn't even aliens? Could be the government, dude. All kinds of conspiracies. He could have had like a stroke. <laughs> he could have been, bro. Click, 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 click. Yeah. He's having know, a dream, dude. I don't know. But that was super, super weird. As far as like alien occurrences, or we've never really covered aliens. Not my favorite topic. I concur. Because, just, yeah. No, go ahead. I think because of how vague it can be mm-hmm. and because we like, it's not. There's no substance to a lot of them. You know? True. That it, a lot of times it just comes off corny or really unbelievable. And like 90% of the time you know the story. Yeah. It's like, saw some lights. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we all I know. think that those weird ones are the ones where multiple people, like the all the kids that we talked about mm-hmm. in the well, Africa that mm-hmm. saw the lights and all their stories were the same. Stuff like that is definitely weird and more believable. It also is weird how the Pentagon casually released videos this year uh, of say, UFOs saying there's <laughs> UFOs like documented and like no one cared. Everyone's like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I know. Corona, bro. Yeah, because it's not the craziest thing <laughs> happening yeah. right now. Murder hornets. <laughs> Get that second rate story out my face. We, we already knew about the aliens government. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've seen men in black. We've been known. <laughs> huh. That is terrifying. Stories where you literally, you are out of, con- like you are not in control 100% are very scary to me and I wouldn't be down. Yeah. Especially like given those circumstances, out in the woods, lost time, freezing cold. Yeah. I, I can know. see why he stopped doing that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like too much at risk. <laughs> huh. Yep. So my second story Ooh. comes from another little town. This one's up in like Minnesota or Wisconsin. I get the feel about like from the story. And this tiny little town has a a club in it where, you know, all the kids are, I guess, kids can't go to the club. So I imagine like this story is coming from uh, at least 18 and above because tiny little town, they probably don't give an F. What kind of, are we talking like a nightclub? Yeah, just like a dance club. Gotcha. So, like, all the people, though, would end up going on Friday nights, Saturday nights to this club. But since it's a tiny little town, they're coming from all over the countryside to this little town. It's probably a 30, 45-minute drive to get there because you're out in the the boonies, right? Yeah. 
It's the only thing popping, dude. <laughs> it's the only thing popping. The discotheque. They got the Piggly Wiggly and the discotheque. Don't we have something like that, Area 51 or something up in Salt Lake? <laughs> Jake's always trying to go there. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> Yo, premium A-list club. If you ever hit up Salt Lake City, Area 51. Check it out. <laughs> so uh, one night, this girl, she goes with a couple of her friends. They, uh, you know, they're doing their thing and halfway through the night, she kind of decides she's over it. So she decides she's going to dip. So she heads out, gets in her car and starts driving home. And like I was saying, it's probably a 30, 45 minute drive to get home. And she's just driving on these back roads or I mean, they're main roads there, but like they're back roads to us. (laughs) Cobblestone ass roads. (laughs) (laughs) So she on these main back roads. And, uh, she's driving in, in the, uh, at the edge of her headlights, she sees something in the middle of the road Mm. and it's just kind of faint at first. And they're out in the middle of nowhere. So plenty of times there'll be like deer on the road, stuff like that. But as she gets closer, she realizes that it's not a deer in the middle of the road. Sitting there is a baby stroller. So as she pulls up to it, she stops. And first of all, she's like, well, what is this doing here? I have to see if like anyone's there, anyone's okay. At very least, get it out of the middle of the road. So she gets out of her car and goes over to the baby stroller. And there's no baby. She kind of calls out, hello, is there anyone here? Gosh, damn it. There's no one, no answer. So she starts to roll this stroller off of the road. Now, as she had gotten out of her car, she had seen headlights like coming down the road. And for some reason, it actually made her feel safer. Like she wasn't in this alone. Like there was someone else out there that was coming down the road and it would have seen it. Mm-hmm. Now, she rolls the stroller off of the road and then heads back to her car. And the car that she had seen coming up behind her was going fast. So she's like, I'm just going to let them pass first. So she hits the the hazard lights so that they can just go around her. But they don't. The car pulls up right behind her car and stops. She is kind of like confused, like what's going on? And all of a sudden, both of the doors open on the back car. Run! So she hits the gas. And she peels out, headed down this road, and the car starts to follow her. And she tries to lose them on the now back back roads by taking some turns and trying to you know get away and she loses them for a brief second and then she'd get back on the road and there they would be still following her and so she's doing this for a solid 20 25 minutes as she's trying to make it home so what she thinks of to do is she picks up her phone and calls her dad who's at home and tells him what's going on hey these people are following me i don't know what to do um and her dad says okay come home. I'm going to leave the door open. You just pull into the driveway, get out of the car and run to the house. I'm going to call the police so that they're here when you get here. Mm. Now this car that's behind her keeps trying to like pull up right on top of her. And they're like flashing their brights at her and trying to get her to pull over, trying to almost run her off of the road at this point. And she speeds up in minutes. She gets back to her house. She peels into the driveway throws open the door and runs to the house. Her dad's waiting there with his shotgun. 
They close the door and the car that was following her pulls up like onto the side of the road next to the ditch that was kind of in front of their house and waits there for a second. And then it peels out. Now they kind of sit like head over into their family room and start sitting there like trying to calm her down. And then they hear a bang, 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 bang. Okay. The police are here. So they go and open the door and it's not the police. It's these two dudes who are both sounding frantic. They say, Hey, is the girl who was driving that car? Okay. And dad's like, yes. Like what's going on? (laughs) And they said, well, we saw her parked on the side of the road, moving in that baby stroller. And as she was moving the baby stroller, we saw someone jump into her car. And so we followed her trying to get her to pull over so that whoever it was that was in her car wouldn't hurt her or whatever. And right when she pulled up and got out the car to come into the house, we saw whoever it was jump out of the car and run away as well. So we chased him for a minute and couldn't catch him, but we wanted to check in on her as well. Then the police showed up. They explained what was going on. Like they were all fine, but somebody had jumped into her car and was going to do something. That's crazy because they heard the whole conversation on the phone to who? Whoever was in the car because she got on the phone to oh, call her dad. So true. He, he like knew everything that was going to happen. Ugh. Car stuff freaks me the F out, dude. I always be checking my back seat. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that before. I, I always check mine too. Um, it should be like a second commandment in Christianity, dude. <laughs> Thou shalt check your back seat. 100%. Um, that reminds me of the movie. I can't remember the name. Urban Legend. Urban Legend. Is it? Yeah, I think so. The dude at the gas station is pouring rain. (laughs) (laughs) What does he say? (laughs) The backseat. (laughs) Damn, if you have a stutter, my bad. (laughs) That's just character, dude. That is crazy. What if the two dudes just made that up? Maybe. They were about to get her. And they were like, nah, bro, like, let's. Bro, that's a good alias. We <laughs> saw someone. For real. Couldn't catch them. <laughs> but that's anyway. pretty ballsy, though. Oh, yeah. Like coming back to the scene of the crime and being like, yo, we were trying to help. Yeah. Well, dude, psychopaths do that. They try to interject themselves sometimes into. Yeah. But I'm not saying that's it, but that would be crazy. That would be crazy. <sighs> someone, you know, moral of the story if you see a baby stroller run over that. Do you not? Okay. Well, maybe <laughs> not. I don't. Hmm. This has been 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Our last step. Send your legal stuff to Sean. Um, have I told you on El Rio Road, the road that's in the foothills near Visalia, super sketchy. Hauntings, dead Native American children, KKK meet out there, and a band of like 40 homeless people live out there. So I've been going down this one lane road. Each side is like orchards, trees lining the one lane road. Picture Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) Turn the corner. And I would always turn off my lights of the truck and make everyone get in the truck bed, play (laughs) spooky music and go out there. And we turn this corner and there is a stroller in the middle of the road. (laughs) And I was like, hell no, dude. No. I think I pulled around it and just took uh, off. Didn't run over it. I didn't see no baby, so I was like, I don't need to stop. Yeah. Like, guarantee there was some. That's so just methany, just chilling in the trees, trying to <laughs> sabotage us, dude. Yeah, it's so dirty. 
like people using babies uh-huh. as a way to get you. Like your story sounded like an urban legend. Still a good story. I love it. it potentially. Another is. urban legend is like the killer who plays recordings of babies mm. crying outside of girls' windows and stuff like that. No, you're probably right though. Like it's crazy. It's wild how like a lot of these urban legends started from somewhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's where that came from. For real though. That one's always been like one of my favorites, you know, like the hook in the door or like the person who's. It's just so much more real that something would be in back of your seat than a hook in your car to me. (laughs) That's why it's so much scarier, bro. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Man, I, yeah, when we used to record up in the cabin, DJ and I would walk each other. Man, we sound like a bunch of (laughs) us, but whatever. We'd walk each other to each other's cars, check the back seats like. Dude, I'm not getting got, man, from the back seat. Me just like falling instantly asleep afterwards. <laughs> but that's that's me for tonight, guys. Awesome. Thanks, man. You ready? <laughs> My body is ready. <laughs> Sean, you lived in a civil war house. Yes, I did. But you never experienced anything? Uh no. Starvation. Yeah. <laughs> I did experience that in that house. Gang green. Being poor. <laughs> Experienced. Homeschool. <laughs> Homeschool. Um, <laughs> but true. What what was it like? Um was it I assume it was remodeled. No? No, the house isn't even there anymore. They tore it down. They had the cannonballs lining the room. <laughs> it was legitimately the same house that a supposedly confederate generals had like hold up in to plan their battle strategies and stuff like that um Just and a racist ass ghost yeah. <laughs> probably dude um and it was being eaten by termites now, i don't remember if i told you but like one of the walls legitimately fell in one time when we were gone on this sunday we came back and the wall had fallen into the bathtub and was filled with termites. What were the years of the Civil War? 1880s. So 150 years ago. Yeah, it was a 150-year-old Civil War house. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that lines up. I don't understand how it could last that long. Especially being built back then. It's not like they had great materials or technology. True. It may have been like a wealthier person. I, I would be willing to bet that someone took their time to build that. Because you have like tons of houses back east that are that old. There are generally those that belong to wealthier people. And I'm not saying 100%, but that's a lot of the case. That part of the country is totally foreign to me. Me too. Yeah. Um, Real quick, I do think it's funny how y'all were at church and God blesses you by caving in one of your walls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but they caved into the tub where we could wash away all the termites. That's true. That actually, there were still termites everywhere else, though, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> well, I bring up the Civil War because a lot of uh, this next story has to do with the Civil War. Oh. Um, Last week, we briefly mentioned uh, the minor blow-up we had on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Which to us was like the, the biggest. biggest time. <laughs> we just American Idol. Our numbers, yeah. <laughs> Golden buzzer. Yeah. Um, this story comes from one of the redditors. Oh, so shout this is, out! This is the very first one. So 
We're going to call him Adam. So Adam grew up in Tennessee. I think he's in North Carolina now. He spent his childhood and teenage years there. Uh, there's actually a few stories. I'll start with the Civil War one. But uh, Adam's father was a huge history buff and uh, was big into Boy Scouts. So Adam Rip. naturally, Rip. <laughs> yeah. Adam naturally was a, a scout when he came of age. And uh, he said one of the coolest moments of scout, you know, growing up with his father who was very passionate about the Boy Scouts and also history was when they got to stay at Chickamauga. Do you know Chickamauga? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. You're good. I'd never heard of it either. But Chickamauga is a field or an area within Tennessee and Georgia. It's kind of like on the border. I was looking at it on a map. But a huge battle was fought there during the Civil War. And I think the Battle of Chickamauga had the second highest death toll mm. of all like the wars during this or all the battles in the Civil War. And whoever managed Chickamauga never let anybody stay there except for the scouts. Like they had a special relationship with the scouts. So once a year, the scouts would come and camp at Chickamauga. So Adam, super excited, knows a lot about the area and the history of it, going into it, gets there. They set up camp. It's just for the weekend and nightfall rolls in. They're all sitting around the fire making dinner when they hear off in the distance a wooing sound that sounded like a howler monkey. Yikes. He said it's coming. They're in this field, open field, and around them is just forest. And I can't remember, but I don't think there's a large population of howler <laughs> monkey in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a Last no. time I checked. <laughs> that Chattanooga howlers. <laughs> no. But he said it. They were transfixed on this sound coming from the woods. Dude, naturally, yeah. Yeah, and it started with one, and then it multiplied over the span of a second, a couple minutes. It sounded like hundreds of them. This is what he says. He says, we stared at the woods where I was sure about 100 people were about to burst out, only to have the sound pass right through us and right onto the main site of the Battle of Chickamauga. Hmm. So they hear it in the distance. The voice of one gets louder and louder because it becomes a voice of many. And then it gets louder because the proximity of the voices closed on them. But they could see nothing. They just heard all these howls. And it swept right through their camp and then onto the battlefield. And after it passed and after some time, the howls died down. And Adam's dad, all he says is, huh, rebel yells and goes back to dinner. Oh, my gosh. So these first few stories are just a bunch of small, not really small, though, uh, things that happened during his weekend camp out. Adam's like, I just took a totem shit in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Scout jokes. <laughs> BSA <Cool>. for life. <laughs> Eagle's nest. <laughs> um, I just got my poop my pants merit badge. Yeah. <laughs> so this sets the tone. 
the tone that Adam has uh, when he wrote this, uh, his experience, it doesn't sound like he was terrified yet. Um, Let's move on to the next experience. So he says, there, like during his stay, there's just a bunch of random things that happen. These are the most spectacular ones. So after that whole thing happened with the howler monkey sounds, they all go to bed. Okay. Same night, same place. Same night, same place. Okay. Yeah. They were around the campfire. Their tents are right there. Adam is a senior patrol leader. One of the jobs of the senior patrol leader is to keep the younger scouts in check, especially at night, making sure, you know, they're sleeping. They have a bunch of activities planned for the weekend. I want to make sure they're well rested. Okay. So he says that he woke up to the sound of walking around his tent. And the first thing he thinks is, these damn scouts, <laughs> get your rest. So to learn to tie some knots tomorrow, you know? Y'all are being naughty. <laughs> oh my God. That's not <laughs> funny. <laughs> Puns are out of control right now. <laughs> Do not have control. Uh, um, he, hears, uh, he hears the walking outside of his tent, so he wants to he he's he's getting upset it's interrupting his sleep before he can say something he says that as i put my boots on the noises grew in count and volume it's like well this is familiar (laughs) from a few hours ago you know did he hear howling at the same time not quite he said until i could have swore i heard the tinkling of metal on metal like cutlasses swinging in a belt and soldiers marching right by my head. It's like light marchers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> light sleepers. Um. <laughs> he starts getting nervous. Why are the, oh, like, the scout, these can't be the scouts. He unzips his tent. Ooh. And he peeks his head out. He hears the sound, yet he sees nothing. The quiet of the camp. Uh, dead of night. So the sound stop, or does he still hear it? He still hears the sound. Oh, but can't see nothing. Yeah, can't see anything. You know, fires out. Everyone's in their tents. But it's as if soldiers are marching right through their campground. So from here, he goes, <laughs> stays inside that tent, <laughs> and Sorry. tries to go back to bed, <laughs> as he should. Um, he says that the next day came, sun comes up. He thought that the daylight would make it better, (laughs) (laughs) but it doesn't. Uh, at one point during the day, they had a little bit of free time. So he goes to one of the other senior patrol leaders, who's one of his homies and says, let's go check out the forest. Maybe the area where they heard those howls coming from. I'm not sure. Yeah. Don't forget your pocket knife and toten chip. Yeah. But they wanted to kind of leave the pack for a little bit and just go exploring. So they go. They start walking through the field. They reach the tree line. They step inside. And they get about 30 yards into the forest. That point, they're pretty covered by all the trees in the thick of the forest. And they walk until they hear a gunshot. And... Adam says to his friend, 
are there any uh, reenactments today? Usually they have reenactments as a show. You've been to one. I remember you talking about one before. And his friend says, no, we're the only ones in the grounds this weekend. So they sit and they wait. They hear another gunshot. And after a few minutes, the gunshots are consistent and loud. And it's an all-out war just ahead of them over this hill. So they're listening, they're listening, until they felt the ground shaking repeatedly. The ground under them starts vibrating. Soon after, they hear beating on the ground, hoofs, and it's coming closer. Adam says, those, that's the beating of horses running towards us. So at that point, he turns right around and sprints towards the clearing, towards the campground. He takes a couple quick glances. He sees nothing except for his friend right on his heels. So they're sprinting, they're sprinting, and he says that he swears the horses were right on them and were about to trample them to death. At this point, he's terrified. They reach the clearing, and the sounds stop. No horses, no gunshots, no war, nobody except for him and his friend. So he doesn't want to tell anybody, doesn't think anybody's going to believe him anyway, just between them two. But while they're at the campground later that day, he wants to pull a prank on all his, all of his friends. <laughs> Apparently, if you've spent time in Chickamauga, somebody would have told you about the legend of old green eyes. Ooh. So green eyes is a legend of a creature who can walk on its hind legs or can run on all fours. It's like a mossy dog that smells terrible, has glowing green eyes, kind of more of like a, like a wolf almost. And I looked it up. I, I wasn't sure if he... This is Reddit, so I'm getting this from the internet. <laughs> so I had to check my facts. And I can tell you by the sophisticated photography and artwork that green eyes is in fact a real thing confirmed (laughs) green eyes confirmed um but no yeah i I searched online green eyes there's a lot of legend and lore about it in the chickamauga area and at this point all the scouts know about green eyes so adam and his senior patrol buddy friend decides to wait until nightfall and break out their neon green glow sticks. <laughs> Sounds like those scouts came prepared. Prepared. Oh, of course, yeah, dude. Scout motto. Through and through. <laughs> um, when night comes, everybody is busy playing night games, and they settle down, and they're sitting around the campfire again. Adam and his friend sneak off into the woods. Not completely into the woods, but uh, just behind like the tree line. And there's a hill that they're hiding behind as well. And they're about 15 yards away from each other. When they start making sounds and alternating and waving the, <laughs> the, the, the neon light um, glow stick and throwing it at each other back and forth. And they can see in the middle of the field, the scouts, they've all stopped running around playing games. They, they can see that they're standing up and staring into the woods. <laughs> And Adam and his friend think they're slick. 
they're talking like, dude, they're totally buying into this. <laughs> they're all terrified. <laughs> Until both Adam and his friend hear a howl behind them. <laughs> Adam says that he elected not to move for about two seconds before it howls again. And this time, a little closer. He says he didn't wait around. He tore down small trees in his path to get back to camp as quickly as possible. He never looked back. He said, when he got to camp, I did a quick head count to see who had pranked the pranksters, but everyone on our trip was there. He said, to this day, I can't explain what happened to us those nights in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on the Chickamauga battlefield. So those are just like fun stories, half lore, half you know, actual history. First-hand account. Yeah, first-hand accounts. <sighs> Um, that I really liked. This was the beginning of three separate email threads that I got from Adam. There are two more stories that I want to share from him. Ooh. <laughs> so the second one is when Adam is a little older. He's in his first year of college. Uh, at this point, his dad passed away. So he lives with his mom. And then it's just them two. He said that growing up, he had a lot of paranormal trauma. Or he has, he has a lot of paranormal trauma from when he was growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's what he gets into, uh, gets into in email thread three. So before that. Paranormal trauma. Yeah. Jeez. Be- <laughs> I've never heard that phrase before. Well, <laughs> but it makes sense. Yeah, it okay. does. It makes perfect sense. I know exactly. Or I don't know what he's talking about, but I like. I know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Adam lives with his mom. During his first year of college, they move out of the house that they were previously living in about a year later uh, after his dad passed away. And he said he was at a youth night. After that finishes, he's driving home. He said it was raining. He's on Highway 111 North, if that means anything to you. That's <laughs> why Charlie's shaking his head. Um, he said that mist was crawling across the road from the cow fields on either side. The lights from the few gas stations nearby were reflected in the wet asphalt. And he said on the road is just him and a minivan, about three cars lengths in front of him. They're just driving through these fields. And he's alert. He's watching and sees the van in front of him swerve. By the time he gets to the point where the van was where he swerved, he says he could see in his headlights and in the glow of the taillights of the van in front of him, a man standing in the middle of the road. And he said, this looked like no other man that I've ever seen before. He said, it looked like a minotaur. But instead of a head of a bull, it was the head of a deer. Hmm. Human body with a buck head. And he said that I should have hit this thing, but I didn't. Nothing. You so, mean like his car should have hit it? Yes. Not like he swerved. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like he went through this thing. Well, for him to be able to see that in the taillights of the van in front of him, the van must also have gone through it. Well, he said the van swerved around it. Okay. The van he, swerved. Okay. Yeah. Went straight through it. Yeah. He went straight through it. It sounds like. He said he was too scared to look back in his rearview mirror. He said, I only later found in research a a being described like what I saw. 
the Wendigo. Oh, That's yeah. what I thought. He said, a Native American legend that was terrifying to me as a child, but I had never heard it described like this. I had never heard of any creature like this until that night. But I've never heard of Wendigo being, are Wendigo on the East Coast? They're or like not East Coast, South? Northeast, normally. That's what I was actually going to say was Minnesota. it's interesting hearing them so far south. Mm-hmm. It's like it went south for the winter or something. <laughs> He got tired of, you know, starving. So yeah. Cryptid's got to vacate too, dog. <laughs> yeah. But that was Adam's second email about Oof. running into the That's pretty scary. In the middle of the road. But I'm excited for email number three. That paranormal Bring on that trauma. paranormal trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam, I'm sorry, but we're capitalizing on this. <laughs> and you clicked the, the checkbox that said that we can use it. So, um, Email number three. Uh, this will be for our patrons. <laughs> All of you regular friends out there don't if, get the trauma. For you patrons, this will be the first time for not only Charles and Sean, but for me, because I also haven't read this. Ooh. So, so we're all going to get it for the first time. This will be new for all to of guess. us. Nice. Okay. So Adam says, I had mentioned, I'm just going to read this. All right, guys, that was Adam. And his third email. And his third email. And also, first hand account from me. True. We got a bonus. Oh, yeah. DJ bonus, story. bonus. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while since one of us have shared an experience, one of our own personal experiences. That we we've, haven't heard. Yeah, we've probably exhausted ourselves of all of those yeah. stories. But the one I shared was brand new. It happened a month ago. <sighs> so. Spooky times. We took a huge risk. DJ didn't know it was in the contents of that third email. <laughs> but I can definitely say it was the craziest one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Out of the the first and second, mm. the third one was really hit. Awesome. Well, tonight's been good, guys. I say we close it up. Yep. Let's do it. Everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, truly grateful for you guys. Hope your life is going well. And we're happy you've, you know, joined the friendship <laughs> that you're here with us. So, yeah. Yeah. Reach out to us. Shoot us a DM. Send us some of your favorite music, movies, TV shows. Send us a, a cool picture from a hike. Yeah. Uh, something. You yeah. Know, we love it when you guys interact with us too. So keep it up. But uh, until next week, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. 
We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6000 cash, give us each 3000 we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home, and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Sean McCabe. And I'm Carrie McCabe. We are, well, married, obviously, (laughs) but we're also obsessed with the darker side of things. True crime stories, alien abductions, poltergeists. If it leaves you scratching your head and keeping those lights on at night, we want to hear about it. That's why we host the podcast Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Every week, we bring our listeners a true story guaranteed to send chills down your spine, from history's most brutal serial killers to the mystery of spontaneous human combustion. Yep, lots of these stories leave unanswered questions behind, and you'll get to poke through the rubble of the evidence with a hardened skeptic and... Someone whose mind is more open to fun. Yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. You can find Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie wherever you get your podcasts, and on social media at Ain't It Scary. Come play with us.